You know, I, some of you may or may not know this, but I, I, I usually am in Austin. Uh, I'm a pastor there and actually the lead pastor of one chapel. And so I'm not used to seeing the people announcing so huge. <laughs> like that was a ginormous Sarah. I usually not used to seeing Sarah that big, but anyway, <laughs> I'm just kind of getting over it. Um, <laughs> Uh, 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 today's Group Sunday, everybody! <laughs> Groups Sunday, uh, just, for, just for those of you who may not know, Pastor Brent, who is the pastor here at One Chapel is on sabbatical. He will be on, this is his first Sunday to be gone. I want to encourage you to pray for him, pray for his family, pray for his kids. This is a time of renewal, refreshing, restoration for him and for his family to get v- greater vision, to have a sense of restor- restorative, like, like in his mind and, and his heart and his soul, so he comes back strong and so he can push into the next season of One Chapel Kyle. So I'm excited for him. You keep praying for him. And um, so today is Group Sunday, and uh, I want to talk about awesome relationships. Awesome relationships. Turn in your Bible to uh, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. And while you're doing that, I'll just talk a little bit about uh, this idea of the word awesome. Do you guys ever use this word? You use it all the time. You overuse it. It's like, oh, I just, I made it on time. Awesome. Making it on time is not awesome, according to my wife, <laughs> who is punctual. Making it on time somewhere is what you're supposed to do. <laughs> yeah, um, awesome is this word. It's kind of like overused. We use it for everything. And, and, we, and we're like, no matter kind of what conversation we're having, somehow awesome always ends up in the middle of it. I mean, let's be honest. How can a toilet paper be awesome? I mean, I have a selection of toilet paper that I enjoy, but I'm not sure it's accurate to say awesome about everything because it's not the right description. In a society where everything seems to be hyperbole and overuse and where we overestimate and we, we over-describe everything and, and, and where all of our Twitter wars are just this extending the argument to the most ridiculous place and where we call people names and, and we, it's just like, I think as God's people, we kind of, we have to reclaim this idea of what awesome really is. I'm not advocating we stop using the word. I'm just advocating that we should use it for the right things. That, um, that awesome is uh, something that, that we should reclaim for God and His glory and things that describe what we're going to see here in this scripture as a deep sense of awe. You know, when you, if you've ever been to, the, how many people have ever been to the Grand Canyon? Ever been to the Grand Canyon? You stand there on that ledge, or, or you stand back from that ledge, and you, and, and, and you look at it, and you're just like, you're filled with a deep sense of awe. It is truly awesome. You stand at a skyscraper, and you look up, and you're just like, 
my goodness, that new building they're building downtown Austin. I forget what it's called. Uh, the is it the independent? Yeah, it's the independent, um, and and it's just it, it is incredible, and you sense that there's a a bigness to the idea of awesome. But I also want to challenge us today to think about how awesome can also describe something small, something that is that is so profound because it's a big idea in a little tiny package or a illustration. Every birth that I went through, uh, that my wife went through <laughs> with our five kids, I mean, she, she had our five babies. Each time, that little tiny bundle of flesh and womb cheese I mean, you'd think in a sense it's like gross, there's all this, no, it was awesome every time. A little human coming into the world, I cried my eyes out, bawled every time. And the last baby came out and we put it on the scale, it was 10 pounds. Yes. That means my wife is awesome. I think we have to understand that even as we go deeper and deeper into, like peering into uh, the womb, that we can see babies forming earlier and earlier. As, we, as, we, as, as 4D and, and technological advances are, we're, we're seeing down to the, to the molecular structure of our bodies, we see something so small so incredibly awesome. So it's not just big things. There's small things. And I, and I want to recommend to you that on this group Sunday that you and I have to discover the awesomeness of God, the bigness, the hugeness, the, 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 the imagination that we, we don't quite have to really understand that, that He is greater and has ideas and ways that are beyond our imagination, but that He demonstrates it in very small moments, demonstrates His grace and goodness in a small group of people that meet over coffee or in a living room or that there's a, there's, a, there's a process here where we see what is truly awesome. Look at Acts 2, 42 here as we read it together. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Verse 43, a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. See, I, I hunger for miraculous signs and wonders, don't you? I want to reserve the word awesome to see something that only God can do in a person. I want to say, I want to describe Him 
in a way that goes beyond even my imagination. Verse 44 says, And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is a time and a moment in the history of the church, the very beginning, the birth of the church, Jesus had gone into heaven and had told his disciples to wait for the promise that he would give them. And as they waited in a prayer meeting, in a prayer room, they would gather together. The Bible says about 120 of them earlier in Acts chapter 2. And the Holy Spirit showed up in an amazing way, in unexpected ways, in awesome ways. There were flames of fire over their heads, and then they began to speak in languages that they'd never learned to, to proclaim the message of the gospel. And people, people wanted to proclaim, they wanted to explain it away. You know, they wanted to say, oh, they're just drunk, they've had a little too much wine. Because they couldn't explain it. It often happens when people can't explain something. Instead of describing it as awesome, they just want to reduce it to its sort of lowest form. In fact, we do it in our culture all the time. There's a reduction of everything. Oh, you're not having an emotional experience. It's just chemicals in your brain, and they're moving from one place to another, and that's what makes you feel like God is near. Don't reduce everything down to what you can explain. Something happened, and the birth of the church began, and, and people began to share everything that they had. They became truly unselfish. They sold possessions and shared with each other. It was incredible. We live in America. It is incredible when people are unselfish. It's awesome. And, and, and so this, this verse describes what I think is the original recipe, if you will, of the way church should be, of, a way, of the way relationships should work. Verse 43, notice what it says. It says, a deep sense of awe. A deep sense of awe came over them. This, this phrase, in the, there's a, in the Greek language, in the way it was originally written is phobos, Phobos, and it means fear, reverence, or respect. Fear, reverence, or respect. Now, you wouldn't expect this kind of description, maybe, on, about relationships or about this group of people. You know, but there was something happening among them that was so profound and so amazing. They, they didn't know what else to do. They just... They just had a deep sense of the awe of God's interaction with them. I want to reclaim that. I, I want us to experience that. I want one chapel to be a place where people have a deep sense of awe. I feel like sometimes on these group Sundays, we kind of we reduce it down to, oh, you need friends, and you need, you, know, you need to have social interaction, and, you know, for your health, and, you know, for different things. You know, it's, it kind of becomes this, let me explain to you all the ways in which <laughs> relationships are good for you. 
as if you're not convinced. You are already convinced. The problem is we often don't know how to do it in our busy lives and in our isolation and in our social media connectivity. We've lost a sense of community. There are statistics from studies being done right now. Austin was part of a huge study nationwide about how lonely people are recently. And there was this, there was this, 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 uh, this study went across the, the country in urban centers where people live in such close proximity, it seems ridiculous that they could be lonely. But you know, there's a difference between being alone and being lonely. And in Austin, the, the, one of this, this, our city, our region was studied and it came in at 60% of the people responded with some measure of feeling alone, feeling loneliness, even in the midst of their relationships. Some, we, we often tend to think of relationships in this utilitarian way. What is its usefulness to us? And then if we have other things that we think are more useful to us, we just let those things go and we get to them when we can. And so we begin to prioritize things. People think it's sort of utilitarian like a car. You know, like it get, some of you think that a car is strictly utilitarian. I can tell by the way you keep it clean. <laughs> or don't. Or how messy it is, how nasty it is on the inside. It doesn't, it's not, any, it's not anything much of value. It just gets you from point A to point B. I don't happen to share that view. I think a car should be an experience. I had cars all through my life. My, one of my first cars car was a Plymouth, a, 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 a Pl Dodge Plymouth? Yeah, Plymouth Dodge, I don't know. A Plymouth, a 77 Plymouth Volare. Do you remember the song? Volare, oh... He used to sing it on the commercial. 1977, it had pleather seats. <laughs> Genuine synthetic leather. <laughs> and it was, and, and Ricardo Montalban, as I recall, if you know who, you know, some of you are like under 30 and you're like, what is he talking about? I'm so sorry, Ricardo Montalban was a, he was in Fantasy Island, he was Mr. Rourke, isn't that right? And he was in Star Trek, one of those Star Treks, I'm still like dating myself, uh, he, he's dead now. Anyway, there's no way for me to explain him to you. So anyway, I, I drove this Volare around, got me from point A to point B, it broke down over and over and over again, I was in college and I was, I, I broke down in Hayes, Kansas. <laughs> Give it up for Hayes. I, I broke down in Hayes, Kansas twice. Like not twice in the same trip, but two times taking that trip between Colorado and Tulsa, where I went to school. And it was just, oh, I hated it. And so I believe cars are an experience. We should keep them clean. We should have them running well. They should be nice. There should be a sense of ownership and value. Sadly, none of my family believes in that. 
I had, <laughs> I just recently, I think the same thing is like a toothbrush. If you, you know, it's like a toothbrush. It's just a utilitarian utensil, right? It's just, a, no, I just bought a brand new toothbrush. I've never had this kind of toothbrush before. It's called Quip. And it's this little, beautiful, sleek, uh, it's, no, listen, it's like a, it's like a, a electric toothbrush, it's not electric, it's battery powered, and it's so it, and it, you know, you, it, it's amazing. <laughs> I never knew a toothbrush could be an experience. It came with this little thing that it's a little holder, and you put it, it's, it sticks, the holder sticks on your mirror, and you put it right there in the mirror. Here's the problem. Here's what I'm trying to say. Everything you have in your life can be part of God's awesome interaction. There can be value that you place in God's definition of what your life needs to look like, what our lives need to look like together. You can look at community as a utilitarian aspect of something you just know you need or you can believe and have faith that there is something God does that is beyond your strength and power, that is beyond what you can ever produce for your own soul or your own life or what God could do in another person that needs Him desperately through you. You can believe that that can be awesome. So I want to just... Describe awesome relationships in the few minutes we have here together. And I'm going to do it pretty quickly. You can look at your message notes if you want. Awesome relationships. Number one, here's, here's a description. Awesome relationships grow intentionally. Here's the truth. Transformation happens in the context of relationship. It's very hard to go through, to, 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 to grow in your spiritual life without relationships. Here's the point. We don't grow accidentally. Oh, suddenly I grew spiritually <laughs> and it ha- I didn't even realize it. Oh, here it is. <laughs> no, I think you have to grow intentionally. Here's what Jesus told his disciples before he left, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. If Jesus had all authority, how, many is that, how much does that leave for the devil? Jesus had all authority, and he said, therefore, go and make disciples. I'm giving you authority, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you to the very ends of the age. Here's what I want to suggest to you. Relationship plus intentionality equals discipleship. Some of you are like, whoa, 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 Pastor Ross, how did we get to relation- from relationships to discipleship? Like, I'm not ready. Like, I'm not sure I'm ready for that level of, listen, this is what we're all called to. This is what Jesus gave us as a commission. You, listen, here's the truth. Everybody look at me. You are a disciple. The only question is, are you a good one or a bad one? It's it's true. You are a disciple, and you are either going to be intentional about following Jesus and helping other people follow Jesus, or you're just going to be kind of going through life casually, saying things are awesome, and having a surface relationship with other people, and kind of self-focused and kind of consumer-driven about things that make you happy. 
Ooh, got really quiet in this Methodist church. <laughs> Listen, this is, the co- this is the command. This is what Jesus told us to do. And it's not just about a kind of a social interaction to make us happy. Although I believe it truly will bring fulfillment to your life. There are greater and more important and valuable things at stake. The making of disciples happens intentionally. You, and I know it's hard to, to carve out time and energy to invest in someone else. But it is what you and I are all called to. And if, you, if you've never had anyone invest in you, you feel like you're alone. You feel like you, sometimes you just can't figure out life. You need someone to speak into your life. And I want to encourage you, groups, teams, community at one chapel, this is where you can ask someone, hey, I, I don't know, I don't know how to do this. Will you, will you help me? Will you walk with me? Most of you are thinking, I can never do that. It scares me to death. What am I asking for? Ha <laughs> that's the wonder. That's the beauty. That's the awesome part. You don't know what could happen. Proverbs 27, 6 says, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Think about, think about that. We have to have a way that we can talk to each other that, that allows for this wounding to occur where it real, we realize, oh, that hurt a little bit, but he's right or she's right. A person that just always tells you good stuff about yourself. <laughs> it's called mom. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I've seen, my, I've seen my wife with my five kids, and she doesn't just fill them full of hot air. She tells them straight, but she loves them. She loves them, and she encourages them. And our, my kids, our kids are our best option for discipleship because they get to see it modeled I know, everybody thinks that kids should do what you tell them to do, but they don't do what you tell them, they do what you do. And discipleship's much the same way. We have, to, we have to live together and model it for each other. Think about who made the biggest spiritual impact on you. Just think about it right now. Who was it? If you have them in your mind, that person that made an impact on you as you've been in your spiritual journey, as you've grown up, who is that person that made an impact on you? And if you can visualize them, look, it's true, you can become that for someone else. Number two, speak the truth in love. Awesome relationships speak truth in love. Awesome is produced, an awe, a sense of fear, a sense, a sense of respect, a sense of reverence about relationships. Awesome relationships speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4, 15 through 16 is one of the cornerstone scriptures of one chapel. And it says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I want you to see the two ingredients. Truth plus love equals growth. This is the intentional part. Now, some of you just want to be the truth tellers. Like, hey, brother, you know, 
the truth will set you free. So I'm about to give you the truth right now. Boom! <laughs> Where did that come from? It was like Rocky or something. I don't know what that was. Right? It's like, oh, the truth is all it is. It's you, come on, you're boom, 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 and they just pound people into the ground. Listen, that's not what Paul says here. Other people are all about love. Oh, it's just love. It's just the love. We just love you. This is so loving. Everybody's in full of love. <laughs> Listen, love at the expense of truth is not love at all. Love without truth produces weak and immature Christians who never hear the truth and they just struggle along without it. See, truth at the expense of love, right? No love and all truth creates legalism and tyranny, meanness. Love at the expense of truth creates weakness. And so I want us to put those two things together. We've got to be in relationships. And here's why. Because no one, not one of you need to suffer from your greatest weakness. You know why? Because you can benefit from the strengths of the people around you. That's why God puts us together. That's why he put us together. Because you, you and I need other people who have strengths that we don't have. Our weaknesses compensated by other people's strengths, and they help us, they help us figure things out. It's like, the, it's like the accountant that knows how to balance his checkbook, and the, and the prayer warrior, right, the person who loves prayer, <laughs> who can't balance his checkbook to save his life, <laughs> right? But the accountant doesn't know about the deep things of God. You put the accountant together with the prayer warrior and they be begin to have a relationship where they share with each other, the prayer warrior can now start to administrate his life financially in a way that benefits him. And the accountant begins to learn about going deeper with God in prayer. This is how it works. Number three, share vulnerably. Share vulnerably. These are awesome relationships. Share vulnerably. And I want to suggest to you that transparency is not the same as vulnerability. Transparency is different than vulnerability because transparency is merely communicating information. Transparency is sort of, oh, here it is. Here it is, and here's the information but I'm not sure I want you to invade it. And I think, I think vulnerability is different than that. I think vulnerability is investing in others. It's, it's inviting people into a process. It's not just information. It's being vulnerable to say, all right, here I am. Please help me. And I'm going to share this vulnerability. And it's hard for so many of us. Here's uh, 1 John 1, 5 through 7 Check this out. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, everybody say walk in the light. Walk in the light. Come on. Everybody say walk in the light. Walk in the light. Walk in the light. As he is in the light, we have fellowship. 
fellowship. If that's in your, in your message notes, underline that. Does anybody have message notes? Okay, three of you. Awesome. <laughs> fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus purifies his, us from all sin. I want to suggest to you that this verse says movement plus light. In other words, walking, moving, and light. <laughs> have you ever tried to walk in the dark? I don't know what it is at my house. My wife, she can traverse any room, any hallway in the dark. I don't know. It's like she has radar. <laughs> I get up. She makes fun of me. I get out of bed in the dark. <laughs> she can hear it in the dark. <laughs> Movement in the dark is bad for you. It crushes you. You can be in the light. And be still as well. You can be in the light and be still and never make any forward momentum. I think that's where lots of Christians are. They get stuck. They're spiritually stuck. They're not moving anywhere. <laughs> spiritually, I'm not going to say that. Spiritually, they, they get they get in a place where they can't figure out how to move forward because they're not willing to be active. What is one chapel's vision? We help people move. Do you guys know this? We help people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. That means if you've been a Christian a long time, guess what? There's more. You can keep moving. You can keep investing in other people. If you're a brand new believer and just dis discovering this whole world with Jesus, that there's a move for you. You've got to move with him. You can't stay where you are. You've got to be convinced that you've got to move. And that's why we ask you to, to serve on a team. That's why we ask you to go to a group. It's moving. It's doing something. That's why we want you to do outreach and care for your community. It's moving. You're not just sitting there. Movement plus light equals vulnerability. Here's what happens. Here's what happens. When you're willing to be in relationships where you're going to move forward and you're going to let light shine on every dark place in your heart, you're not going to leave any secrets. You're going to let other people in on the, the darkness of your past or your history. And you have to be selective about those people. It's not like you just share that with anyone. But you should be looking for those people that you're going to, to, to live this way. Fellowship, you see, in this verse is created when we share vulnerability. Check it out. Fellowship is created when we share vulnerability. Look what it says. If we claim to have fellowship and yet, with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And, everybody say and. And here's the big one, and the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. I would like to submit to you that the blood of Jesus works best in community. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with the blood of Jesus. It is powerful for any sin, failure, history, past, any foolishness in your life. The blood of Jesus can conquer it all. It can forgive it all. It, 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 there's nothing wrong with the blood of Jesus. The problem is in the application. We try to apply the blood of Jesus in isolation, and it's hard. You know why? Because you got 
the committee up here. <laughs> Any of you have a committee in there? You got these voices that are speaking to you and telling you how lousy you are and how no good you are. You got the accuser of the brothers and sisters, which is what the Bible calls the devil, saying you're no good. You'll never get over it. You'll never, it'll never happen. Oh, yeah, your sins, God's, God loves you, but it's because he has to. Right? This, these are all lies. When you try to apply the blood of Jesus in isolation, it's so much harder to win that battle. But you apply the blood of Jesus in a loving community where the demonstration of God's love is happening in, in those people's lives, and they begin to know your greatest weaknesses, and yet they love you and care for you like God does. It becomes an illustration. You begin to love others in their imperfections, and you become a picture of God's love for them. This is how it's designed to work. Number four, awesome relationships take time. Relationships take time. Everybody wants like, I just moved here to town. I'd like deep and meaningful relationships in two months. It's really hard. And no offense to those of you who moved to town. It's just, you, there's no way your last church can, you, we can compete with your last church you were in where you had deep and meaningful relationships over 10 years. It doesn't mean you can't start making them or building them. It, it, means, it just means you have to be willing to be patient. You have to be willing to understand that there's, a, there's a, a work that God wants to do in your life, and you've got to stick to it. It's like, I went to a group three times, and I didn't like those people. <laughs> or I, 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 went, I went to that group last week, and that, that leader, he's super arrogant. Su oh, Really? You met him one time, you think he's super arrogant. Hmm, the problem may not be with him. <laughs> Mr. Judgmental. I'm just saying, we want it, we want it microwaved, we want it like instantaneous. I want you to notice in Philippians 1.6 it says, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit, I want to submit to you, is in charge of transformation. What does this verse say? He who began a good work in you. He who began a good work in you. That's God himself, by the work of the Spirit, Jesus working in your life by the Spirit, He will complete this. Sometimes we like, oh, I got to fix this person. You cannot fix anyone. You can only love them. You can only challenge them. You can only speak the truth in love to them. You are not in charge of the transformation. And I'm telling you why this is awesome, because when you see it happen, I've been praying for this person over and over again. Look what's happening. The Holy Spirit is working in them. Here's what you need to understand. The Holy Spirit more, is more into crockpots than microwaves. You got to get in the crockpot, man. It's, that's, this is the only way it works. And part of that crockpot is... The time and energy that relationships take to have something meaningful and purposeful in your life. So obedience plus patience equals maturity. You outlast the fact that you feel uncomfortable. You, you outlast 
the fact that mm, I didn't really like this guy or that guy. You outlast. You, and, and, and it's okay if you don't fit in in one group of people. Find another group. There's several groups going to be hanging out out here uh, out right after service. And, 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 and I just want to encourage you to, to press into them because there is something awesome that happens in a small group because God is so big and he lands on a small group of people and he starts to work in them and through them and with them and begins to do something incredible, something beyond our imagination, something beyond their ability. Don't you want that? I want to create a hunger in you for signs and wonders and miracles and healing. I got a report from Larry Foster about stuff that's happening in his group this week. Some of you know Larry. He's, he's doing a group on the Holy Spirit. It's been incredible to, to see some of the healings and the, and the miracles that are starting to appear. Listen, it can happen if we will believe in the awesome purpose that God has given you and me to connect with people and to allow him to work in our community in our relationships. Let's p pray together. Bow your head, close your eyes, and I want you just to let the Holy Spirit speak to you for a moment. And we're going to come to the Lord's table, and the, the ushers are going to get ready to pass the elements, and I, and I want us to, I want us to, in a, in a way of showing our solidarity, and in a way of understanding God's purpose of putting us together. I just want you to, when, when they pass it, I want you to hold it and wait for us all to take it together. Just hold it, and I want you to pray. And while you pray, I want you to ask the Lord what he wants for your life. Maybe, you're, <laughs> maybe you feel isolated and alone. I want you to start chipping away at that today. Go hang out in the cafe where there's some cool... Uh, snacks and food and, and just hang out there and talk to people who are leading groups in Kyle. I think there's like 19 groups in Kyle or something like that. 20, I, I, th I think they're, they're, it's an incredible opportunity for the summer. Supper for six. Listen, it's not just about getting together for dinner. God is interested in something else. So we practice open communion at one chapel and that means we want you to join us. If you're uncomfortable for any reason, you can just pass it on. You don't have to receive it with us. But we want you to follow him and we want you to join us. So the ushers are coming. Let me begin and we'll pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you just speak to us now? Communicate your heart for us. Each of our circumstances and where, where we are, you know right where we are. You know our story. You know our hang-ups. You know, you know what we need. And so, Lord, would you illuminate our minds today? Convince us relationships are more than just a casual experience or something that we need to be healthy there's something that allow you to come and do something awesome. I thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen.